probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. You're listening to Star Wars Sessions with Matt Hudson and Luke Bly. This is where the fun begins. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the galaxy. Welcome to Star Wars Sessions. Come for the Star Wars, stay for the sessions. My name is Matt Hudson, a.k.a. Jabba the Hud, and joining me in the cockpit of the Essex Falcon is the greatest Star Wars man, fan and buddy out there. Do you know what? He's so influential in the galaxy that Kylo Ren and General Hux named their flagship Star Destroyer after him, the Blinalizer. <laughs> we're back on the we're back on the blind Star Wars panza. <laughs> we're back on the blind Star Wars panza. It's a revamp, it's a massive. How are you, mate? We're we're wait, we're throwing back the garage skank. This mate, this is like this is like taking me back to my youth, into my <laughs> teens. Um, I'm doing good. Yeah, again, as I said last week, copy and paste, still in isolation, all that good stuff. Getting through that, but I've got hay fever, so I'm going to try not to sound too hay fevery and cough and splutter too much but if i do sound a bit more manly then that might be why but other than that mate mate, yeah not bad how about you yeah not too bad man like i used to live um when i lived at my mum mum and dad's house like i lived outside of a wood and it it would get crazy pollinated like there was so much pollen and like this time of year onward like now to like july was just hay fever central but now i live in bang in the middle of a town it's like it's different i don't get i don't get it as bad so i'm grateful for that mate it's been all right yeah it's another week on lockdown but who wants to talk about that i've got yeah. a glass of wine with me i've had nice. steak and chips my missus absolutely mate she cooked it to to mate it was just on a different level she cooked it to level thirteen, thirteen, mate <laughs> did she drop aromat on it Oh, uh, no. Do you know what? Disrespectful, man. Like, first, get up for a classic steak. I'm going to opt for salt and pepper for no, for just a enough. classic steak. Cook it with garlic. And she does it like a minute and a half each side. Yes, yeah, it. It's or, it. or less. I, I don't even know. It's just like so gorgeous. And I've got All a cheeky. For dinner. May, I've got a cheeky Shiraz with me nice. at the moment. Mm. Oh, Matty Boy's, <laughs> got, a, Matty Boy's got a beerio. That's no, that's no moon. You know what it is. Oh, mate. It's a blue moon, ain't it? Mr. Boring over here. <laughs> yeah. No, that's got a, a good beer. It's now. a damn good beer. We have, it, we have it on our podcast when we're allowed out. Um, yeah. And it's out when we're in Brazildon. It's decent stuff. But yeah, I popped into supermarket today for essential shopping, all that good stuff. And I was like, right, I need a... I, I walked past a beer aisle. I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't, but you know, it's, it's Star Wars Sessions, isn't it? So I've got, I've got to have one. Yeah, it's, um, it's only right, actually. It's it's actually it's only the correct thing to do is to have a cheeky bevy when recording probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. So you know well, that's what we're here for. We're here to shoot the galactic breeze. But before we go on and chat your favourite Star Wars subjects, um, we got a cheeky little announcement. Uh, we got two new patrons this month, haven't we, May Boy? We have indeed. Yes. Thank you to the following the local boy, huh? Martin Mead, who joined at the high ground tier, and to Nix, who joined at the hello there tier. So guys and gals, thank you so much for supporting the show, for um, wanting to hear more of us. And again, like I say, wanting to be part of the session squad. So guys, thank you so much. And we hope you enjoy what we're going to be dropping, uh, what we've already dropped and what's going to come this month and in future months as well. So thank you very much. 
Yeah, man. And if you guys do have like the odd dollar or two, well, no, it's $2 actually from $2, $2 a month um, laying about, you know, jump on our Patreon, have a look at what you could have. You know, we've got loads of bonus content on there. If you're working from home or you're at home doing whatever at the moment, you've got some spare time on your hand. Now might be a good time to see if, you know, you, any of our bonus content takes your fancy. I don't know. It's it's pretty spicy. It's all I'm going to say. Yep, and then when 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 this lockdown's done and we're back to a some sort of normality, there'll be even more cool stuff dropping. So, uh, not to blow our own trumpets, but there, it is pretty cool. We've got some good stuff coming this month. But um, yeah, guys, thank you so much for that. So, um, should we move on to something a bit more regular? Yeah, let's head over to our naughty galactic news round. <laughs> Ashley Eckstein has promised fans an epic finale to The Clone Wars Season 7. Author Michael Morecci has teased that he is working on a project set in the sequel era time period. Daisy Ridley has admitted she found the negative reaction to the rise of Skywalker hard to handle. And Diego Luna admits he he just jokes around when it comes to talking about the Cassian series to avoid dropping spoilers. Now, for this week's main discussion, we're uh, we're talking about one of the galaxy's greatest villains. Or he could have been, or he might have been. Depends on your point of view. We're talking about General Armitage Hux. How to solve a problem like Hux. Now, we were introduced to him in The Force Awakens. It uh, as as uh, a snivelling yet at the same time still quite like psychotic space Nazi, and he went on his own kind of journey, as did the sequel trilogy, if you will, in the subsequent two films. We thought we'd kind of talk about how they used Hux, what could have been, what was, and you know our impressions on you know how his sort of jumbled up story went. So um, so Blilo, first off, General Hux, from from what we have of Hux, are you a fan of his character? I am. I am, actually. You know, General Hux, man, like the the pale-faced ginger ninja, yeah, he's a king, you know. The, the, when we were first introduced to Hux, and, and it's it's hard not to talk about this character and subject without going to the star and doing it chronologically. Um, and I'm talking from the cinematic perspective, Matty Boy, I'm sure you're going to bring some canon perspective to this, mate. Um, sure. But Force Awakens, you know, he is a character to be feared um his speech on star killer base it echoes it to be frank it echoes nazi germany it echoes adolf hitler during the 1930s in germany just like shouting this this propaganda this this evil you know and um but it but it's convincing and the way his character does it the way his character pulls it off you know i i i believed it and, you know, dare I say, Hux was one of my favorite things about The Force Awakens. And there are many, many things about The Force Awakens that I absolutely adore. Um, and Hux was definitely one of those because even from an imperial or separatist or republic or rebellion point of view, there was no one that, that took that mantle like Hux did, who, who got on a stage 
and did a speech like that that was watched by all these people, watched from around the galaxy at the time, thanks to shows like Star Wars Resistance. We know it's broadcast to many Imperial bases and Imperial places and people. Um, but, it, you know, you if you were a space Nazi in the First Order or a pro-Imperial person, you'd be watching General Hux and be like, yeah, that's my guy. That is my guy right now because he that dude can speak. You'd be up there thinking, this guy, look at the source on this guy standing up in front of all those people and delivering delivering that speech. I, I actually echo that as well. After coming out of The Force Awakens and on subsequent watches, Hux was like one of the most interesting characters in the film. And because of the re- because we're introduced to him um on the on the bridge of the finalizer or the blindalizer, and he's kind of got this sort of tete a tete with Kylo Ren. So we already we immediately think, right, these guys are facing off against each other. We then see that Snoke is basically pitting them against each other. Then we get the speech. Um and for for the speech, let's hear let's hear Donal Gleason slash General Hux in action. So this is General Hux in his Force Awakens guys. Today The end of a regime that acquiesces to disorder. At this very moment, in a system far from here, the new republic lies to the galaxy while secretly supporting the treachery of the loathsome resistance. This fierce machine which you have built upon which we stand, will bring an end to the Senate, to their cherished fleet. All remaining systems will bow to the First Order and will remember this as the last day of the Republic. So that, that is what we're talking about. That is that iconic speech now in Star Wars lore. I love that speech. I love how he just absolutely just goes for it. And mm. you talk about Phasma and Kylo and Hux, the, holy, the unholy charm for it and all that. It's not <laughs> Kylo or Phasma up there delivering it. They've got General Hux in front of everybody. And like you said, great cannon drop there with the resistance nod. He's up there delivering this speech, this bit of history. They've entrusted this man because that is how high... He's obviously held in esteem. So in terms of The Force Awakens, I really liked where we went with Hux and um, especially the kind of jockeying for, for for Snoke's attention. I think that was a really good starting point. Yeah, man. I, because you, I, I think for me, it's, you've you got to mention the acting. Dom Hall Gleeson, his performance in episode seven you just buy into it. And I've, I've, no, I know yeah. I've already said it, but listen back but to what we've it. just heard. You know, listen to that speech. It's just you buy into it. You're like, man, he loses this guy. Himself, doesn't he? Yeah, this guy, this guy really wants those planets to be blown up. He really they, wants to kill these people. He really hates that they acquiesced, didn't he? Yeah, acquiesced. The disorder. Oh. Uh, I mean, it's beautifully written as well. Yeah, so you've it, got it. Yeah, agreed. It's beautifully written. And also, I just want to add, the dude is Irish. Dom Hall Gleeson is Irish, <laughs> yeah. isn't he? Like, he's from the Republic of Ireland. He's, he's got Irish like a, has. mate, solid Irish accent. And he's coming out with that, like, upper middle class British accent. Like, he's gone to Eton for his education. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Loathsome some resistance. Yeah. And he's killing it. He is killing it. Literally. 
Oh man. And and it is it was one of those characters where you're like, man, I could imagine this guy being a, a massive pillar of this trilogy um, because of those direct comparisons to dictatorships that we know from history, Hitler, Stalin, etc. You 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 look at that, and that was that was Hux, and we never had someone like that before, quite in that way, where he wasn't a Jedi, he wasn't a Sith, he wasn't a Force user. It was political he had a political interest to bring the remnants of the empire back to bring the imperials back and for the force the first order to reign supreme over the galaxy because he hated the republic he hated the resistance um and yeah it just came over on screen and his first order through and through if you cut him open he bleeds first order which in this film again we're talking about the force awakens you can tell this man is literally just absolutely, he eats, sleeps and drinks the First Order. There were comparisons made to Tarkin, and you can see why, because in, in A New Hope, Tarkin blows up Alderaan, and in his own way, he kind of gives a little speech. But in this film, Force Awakens, obviously Adonal and Hux just amplifies that. But it doesn't feel like a direct ripoff. I didn't once watch The Force Awakens to think, right, that is clearly a riff of Tarkin blowing up Alderaan, He's even given a speech, blah, blah. I didn't think, it didn't even occur to me. So that's kind of his closest link was um, the new Tarkin. Um, but I mean, they're kind of chalk and cheese to compare because uh, Peter, Sir Peter Cushing was such a different actor, such an, an esteemed actor that his performance was like chillingly calm, whereas mm. Hux is kind of sniveling, but when he needs to be, psychotic. Um, and, and that's what I like about it. He's like an organized chaotic evil um, yes, who he has is, yeah. a big temper on him. And, you know, Tarkin is like an organized evil who's, um, I forgot what's on the other end of chaotic in the D&D scale, but it's like, it's like he's a lot more calm, like you said, a lot more calm and, and collected. Um, but with, with Hux as well, mate, boy, let's, let's just quickly, uh, let's not spend loads of time on it. Because I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of you know me like the the next level of canon, so to speak, yeah. um, especially during this period at the moment. General Hux, as a kid, am I right in saying he killed his dad? Yes. So he was um, he was he was sired as an illegitimate child by um, his father, Brendel Hux. Um, Brendel Hux was uh, was an imperial high ranking imperial officer who was uh, one of the uh, Imperials who left with the Imperial Remnant into the Unknown Regions to so basically help start the First Order. So Brendel Hux's job was to um, train the young kids to be stormtroopers, basically. Right. But he looked down upon his own son be um, because he just thought he was a, a snivelling, weaselly kid. Plus the fact that he was illegitimate didn't help. Um, so his son was uh, like physically and verbally uh, abused as a child. Like, the other officers were would make him like, lick the floor. And Brindle would just be like, would look at him in absolute disgust. And eventually it was Ray Sloan who um, who kind of took him under a wing. I love Ray Sloan. And was like, listen, stop, you know, stop hating on your son. He's got potential here. And she reared him to be this kind of like dog on a leash before before she lets him off. And he, he and then Armitage then starts to take control of the children coming in to be stormtroopers. But yes, in the Phasma novel, it, you, you get great um, backstory on it that basically Brindle Hux was killed by Armitage Hux as a way of first, well, firstly retribution, 
but of advancing his own career. So they kind of colluded together, Phasma and Hux, but it was all, you know, Armitage Hux's plan to murder his own father. And um, that's part of his, you know, backstory. As a kid, he had a really bad upbringing by his father and those around him. Uh, he was, and then he was kind of groomed into the character we saw him in as mm. The Force Awakens. But mm-hmm. yeah, he, um, he took down his own father to, adv- to advance his own career. And it's a um, interesting backstory. And this is why I love canon so much, not because I'm obviously for um, patricide or anything like that, but those kind of little things. <laughs> you of, sure? Like, you a, you oh, sure that's yeah. not, a bit of, not a bit of Matty boy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God, I'm letting my passion come out now. Um, no, I, I do. Like, those kind of backstories, I think, really help add something to a character. But again, if you're not into the canon, you wouldn't know that necessarily and wouldn't really change your opinion on him. But yes, he's a, he, he killed his father to advance himself, which is a, which is like a key part of his, um, of his, uh, characterization. Cause as you can see when him and Kylo have facing off the way Hux looks at Snoke during it, when, when, um, when they start, when Artakadana, sorry, Kylo mm. lets, takes Ray, but leaves the droid mm. and Hux comes marching into the throne room where the Snoke hologram in, and he's like, oh, you know, Kylo thought it best to leave the droid and just take the girl, blah, blah. He's sticking the knife in. He took his chance, man. Yeah. Throws him right under the bus. He right mugs him right off. And that's the thing as well. It felt like he was a counter um, to Kylo Ren. It was yeah. like they, they were in the First Order almost for different reasons. Kylo was there to basically kill Luke and to destroy his his um, family identity, to destroy his past um whereas whereas Hux was there for a different reason again you understand somewhat some of his family background thanks to the expanded canon the expanded material um but you know they're two very different characters with very different ambitions and they're competing for Snoke's uh attention um and that's that's what came across in the in the Force Awakens and they're on the same level, crucially, mm. before we go on to the next film. It looks like from episode seven, when you come out of that film, you think, right, Kylo and Hux are on the same level. You know, not one or the other has superiority yes. over the other. And that was what I was so excited for going into The Last Jedi, was how is this um, relationship going to evolve? And yes, I was one of those people. What are they going to do with Hux? Because um, we, we, we've left him here. He's clearly a zealot because he's just blown up billions of people. Where do we take him now? So that takes us into Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi. And the Hux we got there was a bit different. <sighs> Matty boy. <laughs> Matty boy. Um, Over to you, mate. Let's, let's, let's just play the audio. Attention. This is Commander Poe Dameron of the Republic Fleet. I have an urgent communique for General Hux. Patch him through. This is General Hux of the First Order. The Republic is no more. Your fleet are rebel scum and war criminals. Tell your precious princess there will be no terms. There will be no surrender. Hi, I'm holding for General Hux. This is Hux. You and your friends are doomed. We will wipe your filth from the galaxy. Okay, I'll hold. Hello? Hello? Yep, I'm still here. Can you? Can he hear me? Hugs? He can. With an H? Skinny guy? Kind of pasty? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Look, I can't hold forever. If you reach him, tell him Leia has an urgent message for him. I 
believe he's tooling with you, sir. About his mother. Open fire! It's your favourite part from any my, Star Wars film, isn't it? Yeah, my favourite part, man. Like, okay, people, I just want to say, I, um, I've always liked bits and, and, and adored bits of The Last Jedi. And overall, I love The Last Jedi for what it is. But um, this scene ain't one of them. This scene is not one of them because from the get go, you you know you you're left with this like phone joke in in your palate, like you know in your in your mouth. You can taste this phone joke for the rest of the film. You know that was me in the early days, anyway, and I I kind of feel like that sometimes, depending on my mood when I'm watching the Last Jedi. Um, but the Last Jedi keeps getting better, in my opinion. But this just doesn't. It doesn't get better. It's like, why? Why did we need to open up with this? Because it completely, in in almost moments or seconds, it feels like it undoes General Hux from The Force Awakens. And again, one of the more, from from our previous chat um, on this show, you know, it, it, it almost undoes the originality of that character because like we've already said that he was a very unique character in the star wars universe and suddenly he's been made into like a ragdoll you know like and and just a joke you know and and Nah, Matty boy, come on! Like you, you, you take it away, man. Because um, let me, let me, let me organize my thoughts. <laughs> uh, I don't um, like well, it. I don't. Like what it. I will say up top, and this might be petty, I really hate what they did with his hair in this film. It is so, um, it is so slick back to the point where it looks what? like it's been tattooed on his Hang head. On. Hucks. Honestly, on. I rewatched the last today last night. Disney Plus. You watched last it. night. I just yeah, I love me a bit of Disney Plus. I was on Disney Plus and I and I I've been watching a bit of Rebels over the last few weeks, um, and then you now it comes up like recommended for you. Obviously, it's all Star Wars, and it was the Last Jedi or Return of the Jedi. So I thought, oh, you know, even notwithstanding this conversation, oh, I watched the Last Jedi just to have it on in the background. And um, the first thing I saw was his hair is so like is <laughs> so preen and so manicured compared to what it was in the Force Awakens. It, it bothers me, especially. Towards the end, when um, on crate, when he's looking at Carlo through the door, when Carlo's sort of bending down with Han's dice, his hair oh, it's abysmal. I can't get my head around how bad it is. But um, yeah, so we start off, we get the phone joke, and um, I can hear you. Can you hear me? And I like the part of it I like is where we get kind of we get Starkiller base Hux, but stripped down when he's given that speech when he's like. Um, you know, the resistance, your your feeble band are doomed and all that. You know, very hammy, very camp, very cheesy. It feels a bit like Starkiller Base, but toned down. But then, yeah, like they say, they kind of just make him like a complete goon because all of the officers in the background, like Aid Edmondson's character, um, he's just, he's kind of in the background, just sort of looking at him like, what the hell? you know, can you, how can you not know this is a joke? And it does make this utter zealot, the man behind Starkiller and the Stormtrooper program, Look like a complete buffoon, mm. which is a shame. And that's just that's just the start of the film. And I mean, as the film goes on, there were parts of Hux which did work, which we'll mention. But then there are parts where where he is just a goon. He gets he gets absolutely like thrashed around in this film. 
He, like you said, like a ragdoll, Snoke throws him around. Kylo throws him around in the um, gorilla walker on crates. Yeah. Uh, he just gets absolutely just beasted. Um, he gets yeeted. Yeah, he gets yeeted. Right? Absolutely, absolutely yeeted. So um, <laughs> in terms of the my initial thoughts on Hux and the Last Jedi was it's, it's, there, whilst there were some good bits in there, that what the characterization of him was poor. And so, and it was you could tell that there was two different directors or yes. writers as well. Yeah, I want to. I want to come back to that that thought. Yeah, yeah. In the third act of this podcast, of this main discussion, that is tense. This is tense. This is tense. Ah, oh, mate, Phantom Menace, awesome. Um, no, like it's hard. It's hard to say because Ryan Johnson was so is is so capable yeah. in certain scenes, man. And I watched Knives Out the other day. Uh, first time I saw it, phenomenal, oh, yeah. brilliant. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's really good. It's, it's excellent, and the humor in that is great. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it is, isn't it? I'm like, what? What? What's happened? This is the same what? bloke who did that phone joke. Yeah, I'm like, what's happened here? What has happened here? I can't help but feel it was a it was a gross misunderstanding of the character, a weird interpretation of General Hux that was just made into again a joke. Yeah. You know, within within seconds, Matt, within seconds of that opening crawl in Episode Eight, a space Hitler is turned into a joke, and someone who doesn't get a phone joke, yeah, it it doesn't. I don't buy it. Sim- to, to, to put it simply, I do not buy it. I don't believe it. I'm like, no, that's, that can't be the same guy. Come on. Yep. But but alas, it is. And then you find out that actually, whilst he's being eaten around by Snoke, he's also the man behind responsible for hyperspace tracking, which is, let's face it, a massive thing sure. in the law. Sure. Which is, you know, to his credit, obviously a great thing. But a bit like Krennic, he doesn't really get the accolade he deserves. It's kind of a case of um, we have them tied to a string, and then, and even then, when he tells Snoke and he walks off, Snoke's just like, "What an idiot! What a rabid cur!" Basically, and even then, he's like, you know, it's good to keep these kind of people around. He's gone from treating him as an equal almost in the Force Awakens to the Last Jedi. Even Snoke is kind of talking behind his back, and he's kind of like, "Oh yeah, that's a good idea, nice one." So, uh, okay, be on your way. And then as soon as he turns his back, he's like, "What an idiot!" It, that's the impression I got of of um, Hux in this film. Yeah, and the gross mischaracterization is is a, is well put, I think, because he had the potential to kind of go either way, where they could have really focused in on him having that kind of like schlocky sort of campy element to him, like he did in the Force Awakens, like when he says, you know, you know, fire um, proton cannons, what we say, torpedo fire, you know, very very cheesy and very schlocky but keep him like fearsome or they could have done what they did in the last Jedi where have him be sort of like campy, schlocky, but also comic too much comic relief to the point where you don't take him seriously. Yeah. He's the guy who did hyperspace tracking ends up being like a, you know, big deal. He, when, when Kylo slices Snoke in half and at the end he's laying on the floor, you know, Hux goes to reach for his blaster to finish him off. I don't feel the tension anymore because he's also the guy who's been thrown around and got duped over by a phone joke. So that in the film, Ryan Johnson, and as much as I love Ryan Johnson and The Last Jedi, it seems like he wanted the best of both worlds for Hux, but couldn't work out how to merge them. If that makes sense, yeah, yeah. It almost—it's almost like it comes down to the um, what's the word? 
How how do we say it? Um, I can't think. Execution, mate. Oh, wait. Uh, drink. <laughs> Imagine if you were a first-time listener on this show and they're like, oh, these guys just like paused the show and said execution. And, just start shouting. And just, <laughs> yeah, and Matt just started bashing what sounds like a baked bean can in the background. Yeah. Come I've get your nails. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Branston's. Oh, mate. Um, yeah, Last Jedi, man. Again, you know, credit to Isaac on the roundtable, friend of the podcast, Pevy. Um, you know, he, he, Last Jedi is his favourite film, but um, it is now anyway. But it's, for me, it's just decisions like that. If they were ironed over or done differently or executed drink differently, um, man, Last Jedi would have been the one it would be so good. So good. Mate, it, it would though, man. And it just... It, You're it right. Just, but it, I feel like it almost... The character is tainted in, the, in episode eight so that in episode nine, mm-hmm. it, it can't recover. It, you know, you have to stick with yeah. this camp kind of space Nazi... And I can't help but feel, before we go into episode nine, I can't help but mm. feel part of me thinks this was done on purpose. You know, I feel Ooh, like that character could have been sabotaged. Yeah, I, I know, I know. And I'm not, I'm not saying this is gospel or as fact or anything like that, but I think I get this vibe from Ryan Johnson that, um, you know, there are some, and I can't remember where I've heard this in other films or other places. I, I can. I've just remembered it. Boom. Um... What king? Let's have a think. What's the name? I loved it. Jojo Rabbit. There we go. Jojo yes, Rabbit. Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi. When he played Adolf Hitler in Jojo mm. Rabbit, he made him very camp because he was a, a, a child's imagination. He was part yeah. of this child's imagination. He was this kid's imaginary best friend because he didn't have a father figure. Hitler was his father figure because of the war and him. him seeing this man that was the only you know quote alpha male quote in his life so but taika plays that role very well and he he says in in the um interviews for that film is that that was definitely that was done consciously because he did not want to in any way glorify adolf hitler now i get that because it works with the story it's appropriate for the story but, yeah, yeah. And I know, it, I know it's apples and oranges here, but if it was a accurate World War Two story, um, and Hitler makes a cameo in it, I want it to be accurate. I want it to be Hitler. You know, yeah, you yeah. don't have to depict every nasty thing and disgusting thing he's done, but you still need to depict him as a horrible, nasty, evil person, mm-hmm. yeah, right? Yeah. And I can't help but feel. Hux is that person in The Force Awakens in a Star Wars way, okay? In a fantasy, child-friendly, but still scary way. And that's an important thing. It's important for you as as the audience to sit there and go, that guy is horrible. That guy is horrible because that's something to fight for. That is something that you can identify as as, as evil and not good, and therefore you you root for the good. You root for the good team. And um, I feel like, you know, that was such wasted 
potential in The Last Jedi, sadly. Well said, mate. Well said. There are things in The Last Jedi which were, which, which were natural for the character, but they, they weren't just executed or, well. Oh, oh like, let me drink my like Shiraz. The two of them going off against each other almost when he awakes in um, Snoke's boudoir and, um, you know, General Huck is like, you presume to command my army, blah, blah. And Carlo force chokes him, you know, Supreme Leader's dead, blah, blah. And he takes control. Mm. That had to happen. You know, Carlo Ren had to ascend to the Supreme Leader above Hux for their rivalry to continue because then it would give Hux motivation to try and usurp him and take him over. So that happened. But again, even that kind of happened in a... You know, it, it, it just didn't feel right. It just kind of just felt like that, done and done, over with. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in the walkers on crate, you could tell that Hux is still trying to get one up him, but then he just gets thrown against a wall, and it's like, well, he's clearly not going to be any kind of rival to Kylo. He could have been, and I. This isn't a bashing session on the film or Ryan Johnson or anybody else like that, but I mean the way that they could have had him as this scheming kind of like man, conniving uh, person who was, you know, who would do this on the outwardly, but inside he's thinking, right, yeah, you, you do that. I'm already three steps ahead of you and you may think you're Supreme Leader, but I will uh, outdo you, blah, blah. And it just never felt that way. It just felt like the comic relief, like you said, it kind of ruined the character to the point where in episode nine, you had to go a certain way. And I mean, after this, I'm sure we'll talk about what maybe they could have done differently. But in terms of wrapping up his three films, episode nine, seven and eight, for their flaws and their positives, set up Hux as a First Order man. He wants to be the Supreme Leader. He he wants to rule the First Order because he believes in their ideologies. He is First Order through and through. Here is the for, the Rise of Skywalker clip for Hux. I'm the spy. What? You? We don't have much time. I knew it. No, you did not. I shut down the impeders. You've got seconds. There she is. She's a survivor. Wait, wait. Blast me in the arm. Quick. What? Or they'll know. Why are you helping us? I don't care if you win. I need Kylo Ren to lose. It was a coordinated incursion, the Legion General. They overpowered the guards and forced me to take them to their ship. I see. Get me the Supreme Leader. Yes, sir. Tell him we found our spy. I'm the spy, he says. There we go, Luke. Oh, man. It's not that... It's not that... The thing is, right... (laughs) 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 The thing is with J.J. Abrams, right, that scene is funny. That scene is actually funny. So when when Hux is when Hux is used in the Last Jedi to do something that isn't that funny, but this scene it has a charm about it. I don't on 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 from from like a what's the word the core of this scene that I'm the spy scene. Yeah. I disagree with. I don't believe. I don't buy into it. But it's. It's pretty good. It's <laughs> not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. And, it's the reaction with Poe. Po. The Poe and Finn reaction for me makes it better. The way he just sits there and he's like, I'm the spy. It, it, like, I would have done it differently. 
I would have done it differently. But John Boyega and um, Oscar Isaac saved that. Um, but then again, you know, is J.J. Abrams just using what was made of Hux in episode eight? You know? Um, I think he was. Because by episode nine, this is a totally different dude. This is a totally different dude. And um, I know on Twitter we had a few comments um, in regards to this. And, and it actually, you know... It does almost make sense. The plot does make sense. The fact that he wants to out Kylo. So it's not that he's necessarily against the First Order, but he wants to out Kylo. I get that. He tried to kill him in Episode 8. He would have gladly killed him in Episode 7. Now, I buy into that. That's fine. I'm I'm not arguing that. Um, Just a little factoid as well while we're speaking. His hair in The Rise of Skywalker kind of goes back to Force Awakens hair. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so that was. Uh, I'm going to put up the on the socials. By the time you listen to this, I will have put up the side by side three film comparisons of the Hux Hair trilogy. Yeah, yeah. Um, try and tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. Sorry, Blilo. Last on. Jedi stands out, man. Last Jedi stands <laughs> out. He looks like totally different. I know. He looks like totally different. And it's set like quite soon after the Force Awakens, obviously, isn't it? Yeah, like, I mean, it's immediately, um, isn't it? It's like maybe yeah, you yeah. just didn't sleep. Maybe you just like went on the GameCube for like six hours <laughs> <laughs> the night before. Oh, I've got to complete Mario Kart, man. I've only got time to put my head under the shower and brush it back quickly. Huh? Yeah, That's it. can't let you look- pride be me. Yeah, <laughs> that more. <laughs> Instead, he's the spy. Mm. Um, you know, I get. I, I, I do get why what the people were saying, the people, what everybody was saying, obviously, that um, you, I can buy him one to, I, but I, I can buy him one to Alice Kylo, but I don't necessarily buy him selling, like, like feeding information to the resistance, which will undoubtedly bring down the first order yeah. that he wants to govern. So is he then going to come back with another sort of separate empire? Because, you know, if, it, if it's just going to get rid of Kylo Ren, I mean, there's no guarantee that if Carlo goes, that everything's going to be in place for him just to step up. I mean, it did with Snoke, but nobody knew Snoke was gone. It depends on how they did it, but I, I, it's always it always rankled me when I found out that he was a spy because it just didn't work that he'd be willing to help out these people who he's staunchly against just to take one man down. And I get that there's also the argument that he's so far gone. He is that much of a zealot, or he's that much for the First Order that he's willing to put everything at risk just to get rid of Kylo. But um, mm-hmm. I still, I think, for me, and I'll get into this a bit shortly, but had they kept him as the schema, the, but the intelligent schema, I would have preferred that than having him be the spy. I like the fact that they had an established character be the spy. They didn't just bring in a random character and be like, oh, this new guy's the spy, when you're like, Who, who's he? So I like that they, they swung for the fences and tried to sort of make us think, or me anyway. Wow, what a bombshell! But that didn't hit for me like it should have done. And then obviously the way he was just absolutely off by Pride. That that was a shock. The way that Pride just like um you know contact the supreme leader, give me a gun, yeah, bosh, a dude with not Donald seen down. Before. Yeah, he's just absolutely gone. And that uh, so that was a bit of a shock. I was like, wow, they just absolutely treated the character like that, and not in a bad way. But they were willing to put that shock factor in. But had, had he been built up a little bit more, then I would have felt a bit more in that scene for the character rather than just thinking, wow, that was a, you know, you don't, don't usually see that in these films, in these Star Wars films. But um, so that, that also played to his rivalry with 
Allegiant General Pride because he uh, Hux had been demoted by Supreme Leader Kylo Ren, and uh, Pride was his superior mainly just to annoy Hux because Kylo was aware. Like, canonically, Kylo's aware that Hux could stab him in the back at any point and wants to. But again, extended canon. Uh, so Pride is put in place as kind of like the middleman to make sure that Hux is kept away from. He's on a need to know basis like Holdo was. Um, so in the Rise of Skywalker, yeah, we don't see him, you know, barely at all. But he comes out as the spy, and I, I, but I agree with your point that had eight written him a bit better, I think nine would have been he would have been a lot different. But I mean, yes, I guess the because sure. I mean, there's not much to say on an episode nine. But no, I mean, from what we in saw it, in episode, he's exactly, he's so barely in I guess it, the question is, in episode nine, did you like what you got? I know it's a proper vague question right. based on what we just said, but. It was all right. No. Apart from yeah. I'm the spy, it's pretty forgettable. Like I'm, I, I Google imaged Huck's Rise of Skywalker, and I know um, he talks to Kylo in the corridor with the Knights of Ren behind him, looking like a yeah. big boy. Um, yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's okay. Oh no, he does. He does a funny line in the boardroom, oh, doesn't he? In the boardroom. Yes. Well done. Because I said, do I do I sense um, like something about my mask? That's it. And he's like, um, he's like, no, looks good. <laughs> well done. Yeah. <laughs> and the I woman don't... next to him says, "I like it." And the way he looks at her cracks me up. And that's Donald Cleason's awesome. Yeah, I like that man. I like that. I like that. It's again. <laughs> like I don't want to make this. I don't want to make this conversation bigger than than Hux necessarily, although I'll get to that. But again, man, JJ gets that. Yeah, for all the things you say about episode nine or JJ Abrams, you know, scenes and moments and feelings like that, JJ Abrams definitely understands. Um yeah. Okay. You mentioned that scene because I think that's a really as a scene, that's a good scene. But yeah, Hux in that scene as kind of like the snivelling kind of yes, very good. And the way he looks at the female next to him is just gold. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that. But that's really about it for that. He he does that scene. He says he's a spy, lets him escape, gets shot, and then gets shot again by pride. And that's it. That's Huck's gone. Never mentioned again. That's what well, is actually quite ironic. 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 General Pride was one of Bren- Brendel Huck's like, mates, his friends. Just so almost like a kind of like coming full circle that um, General Huck's killed his dad. And one of his dad's mates killed General Hux. It's kind of like this weird sort of triangle. So it's kind of like an ir- ironic tragedy there. But um, so there's the kind of, there's the three film arc of Hux. And as you've as you've just heard from what we've just said, it's a mess. Not because of how we described it, but because it, it is. He's in, in episode seven, and again, this is all subjective. This is what we think, and this is what we have taken from it. And it seems to be a few other people have as well. But if you disagree, then obviously let us know why. We also say that we did actually like the character. Episode seven, he's kind of like a, he's a rival to Kylo. He's a space Nazi. He still has that element of sort of like snivel weasel to him, but he's got a backbone. He's formidable. Last Jedi, he's more of a jester. He's still a rival, but he's a lot lighter and it changes the trajectory of his character. The Rise of Skywalker, much smaller role. He's a spy uh, and that's it. So it's a bit like, well, what do we do with this character? So I guess, I mean, going forward... You, Blilo, because if there's anyone I trust with Star Wars or, or anything in general, it's Blilo Ren. What would you have done? I know we've kind of touched upon it, but and you've said the other things as well, but 
But on the character, what would you have done to make him a bit better or, any, or you know what I mean? Or just start elevate him to what he could have been? To put it simply, mate, I would have made him Space Nazi. He would have been... He's gone with it. Yeah, man. He needs to be your bad guy. And he could have been, in episode nine, even, you know, he could have been the solution to that power gap without Snoke. He could have been that. He could have been that dude. General Hergs. Um, <laughs> he, he, Hugs with an H. Hergs. He definitely, <laughs> definitely could have been that man. Definitely. And I, I feel like that's what was set up in The Force Awakens. I just want to say this. I think that the portrayal of General Hux, and I said this to you last week, Matty Boy, um, when we were talking about this this week's show. I think this is the perfect example of the three different ideas for a character, the three different visions for the sequel trilogy, and the three portrayals we got. Because we get we get Space Nazi in episode seven. We get Joke and... Yeeter. Ye- yeah, he is the Yeetie. Um, <laughs> Yeetie. He is the one who got yeeted. Um, and, 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 you know, I don't... There are some good scenes in it, though. There are some good scenes in it. But the problem is, is that those good scenes are almost, for me anyway, you know, they're, they're not balanced enough with the bad you know, for me to get a fulfilled character development for a whole episode of Star Wars. And then by episode nine, you know, he is just an afterthought because that's why they had to bring pride in. You know, they had to bring pride in because Hux was this like the character that's been changed. They had to bring in this authoritarian, nasty person, evil character because Hux just wasn't that by the end of episode eight and um it's a shame it's a shame man and it it just it just magnifies the issue it shows us that you know there should have been better planning there should have been a more cohesive story better strategy for storytelling in the sequel trilogy and I liked what you said as well in this in this off-air message that nobody's read but um I liked what you said is basically the issues with Hux, like the up and down tone and the mess that was the character of Hux, that again, Asterix, that, that we think, is like the walking encapsulation of the sequel trilogy. Like you say, and that, not that that was necessarily like an awful mess, but as you just said, it's disjointed. There wasn't a, a cohesive plan to go through it, regardless of what it, it, the, you know, people may want you to believe. It's going, there obviously wasn't a plan. And Hux kind of like is like the, the walking physical portrayal of that, you know. His, everything changes per film. There's not, there's no real structure or plan, and he just kind of ends up where he does. He just kind of gets shot, and that's it, left out there to go. But I would have made him that. I like the idea actually of what you just said, and I would have made him the, like I said, the schema. I would have made him more of a Tarkin in the terms of like the fact that the Tarkin was, and I don't mean to say make him akin to an older character. What I mean is that Tarkin was as he was a planner. He was, as you said, organised. He knew what he was. He was 10 steps ahead of everyone. So I would have liked to have seen Hux be that kind of space Nazi with that kind of, you know, camp to him. But you knew behind his eyes he was, you know, he was mad. He was also thinking of a way to bring Kylo down from the shadows. I would have liked that. And then 
it would have, like you mentioned about the power vacuum of Snoke, it would have negated the need to bring back Palpatine, I think, if we'd got a stronger Hux in eight, because then we've got Supreme Leader Kylo Ren is leading the leading the battle in nine. But behind the scenes, we'd have this character of Hux who's been well drawn out, well written, well presented, well portrayed in terms of his rewriting, who was a viable threat, who actually was trying to stage a coup in episode nine to take Kylo down. And that, to me, feels a lot more organic than suddenly thinking, ah, we need a, we need, we need to go out on, with a bang. Let's bring back Palpatine. It may not have been as sexy having the end of the Skywalker saga be, you know, Kylo and Hux vying for power, but that is what the sequel trilogy set up for, set us up for. That is the narrative. Bringing Palpatine was a stretch, didn't fully work. Having Hux be, you know, the actual rival to Kylo and have, having them face off or have Hux actually stage a coup and take power. Or, or, or almost do, you know, cause uh, disruption in the First Order. To me, that would have been a, a lot better and a lot more... A, a, it would have also given reason for the First Order to crumble because if it caused dissension and rifts in the First Order and people's minds were changing as to what actually is this the right organisation, it would, it would explain to me how it could dissolve so quickly because after the rise of Skywalker, what's happened to the First Order? Are they still around? Are they, are they going to send remnants into the unknown regions like the Imperials? Are we going to have the same story 40 years down the line? I mean, there was no resolution for the First Order, but I think having Hux be, you know, the, the man to try and usurp Kylo in Nine would have been a lot better and also would have been a brilliant, brilliant arc for his character to go from the guy who blew up Starkiller Base to the guy who did or, or almost took power in Episode Nine. For me, makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. And... It also would have mean, meant that Donald Gleeson could have had a lot more to do. He did an interview fairly recently. I can't remember the outlet, so yeah, guys, do that. forgive me. Saw that. Yeah, he, he's seen the one where he basically says, you know, he's a bit he's a bit disappointed in the way that Hux went out in nine with his short screen time because he would have liked to have a little bit more time to develop the role as the spy. So to have him in these meetings with Kylo, but we but then we'd have the knowledge that oh well, hold on, actually Hux is a spy. So he's saying this to Kylo. But we know he's a spy, which is kind of alluding to what we both said, that he could have been a bit smarter. But obviously he was just off straight away and that was it. So I would have loved to have seen Donald do a bit more, though. I think he could have done very well with that. Yeah, mate. Yeah, mate. I I, I echo everything you've just said. It really is... Um... It's a, it's a bit of a shame, but we still love General Hux and we still love Dom Hall Gleason, man. Yeah. And for what it is and the beautiful messiness it does have in places, the sequel trilogy, I still love it, man. Yep, all over that, mate. So Hux, the writers may not have done, but we salute you. Hello, this is Ahmed Best. I am Jar Jar Binks in the prequels. And you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, which is probably the UK's best Star Wars program. So, we've just had a chat about Hux. We we kind of on the same level, but I tell you something, mate. I tell you something. I feel like I need to sit down now, get my head together, get a cheeky little book pint. And there happens to be a little dusty drinking hole over there, shall we? Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> Those big beefy muscles. Must have been that steak you ate earlier on. Yeah. Uh, barman, a couple of kef beers, shall we? Uh, I'm on the wine at the moment, mate. I don't want to mix. Of course. The old Iranian wine. What do they say? Wheat and wine is not divine or something. <laughs> I've never heard that, but it sounds Mixed. about right. Hang on, there's a rhyme. Rhyme, uh, mixing beer and wine. Well, what is it? Gives you a headache. 
Hang on, beer before wine and you'll be fine. Wine before beer and you'll... F- oh, no, <laughs> can't say that one. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. But you get the idea. <clears throat> we almost had the first bleep then from Blilo Wren yeah. on the show. Yeah. Family no, friendly. We're family friendly, all right. We're not even drinking, in fact. We've just got apple juice. <laughs> so, Bantina, you guys know what it's all about. For those who don't know, the Bantina, this is our little drinking hole. We like to sit down, we like to pull up a pew, have a drink, and we hear from you guys. We interact with you guys. And the best listeners in the galaxy. And as usual, we asked you uh, what you thought about our main discussion, and this time, it's all about the Hux. And we had a few polls, didn't we, mate? Yeah, we did. We got some polls about General Hugs. Um, <laughs> we, we asked you guys uh-huh. if you were a fan of General Hugs. And on Instagram, 77% of you were a fan of General Hugs, meaning 23% of you weren't. Uh, on Twitter, it was a bit more harsh, which I think summarizes the Twitterverse <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> it's a, there's, a, there's a bit more critiquing on the uh, Twitter verse. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Um, anyway, yes, 60%, no, 40% of people being a fan of General Hergs on there. Still, two majorities, though. So the, the Ginger Ninja is a hit with the fans. And he's a hit with us. So what did, you, what, what did we hear from the guys out there, mate? Well, first up, we got a cheeky little voice message from Patreon, Adrian Chorley. Let's hear it. The very definition of a divisive character, General Hux is perfectly played by Domnor Gleeson for what is intended to be a flat-out pantomime villain. He's a character who, having survived Episode 7, unlike Tarkin, whose role you could say he parallels, could then have done with a little more screen time. But in truth, he was not that vital to the sequel trilogy's overall story, so it makes sense that quite a lot of his work ended up on the cutting room floor, as I suspect it did. Evidence exists in the visual dictionaries to suggest that there were much more lines of dialogue in The Rise of Skywalker than we ended up seeing. His story in canon is interesting, where novels have delved a little more into his character and its relevance to today's society, but as a side character present in three films, he probably does suffer from the lack of a single writer for the whole trilogy more than most other characters. Whereas the use of the main characters, Rey, Kylo, Finn, Poe, was consistent in my opinion throughout all three films, Hux was there for each writer, but never vital enough to be developed to an end goal. So what he does in each film makes sense, but taken as a whole, his story is a little all over the place. Saved by Gleason's performance, though, that doesn't detract from an epic trilogy, and crucially, kids love to hate him and laugh at him. He is, perhaps in my opinion, the evil Jar Jar. Perfect for the target audience of these films, but easily misunderstood and complained about by the adult viewers. Well, there we go. I mean, I love the way Adrian opens up with the portrayal of Hux from Dom Hall Cleason um, because he did he did a brilliant job. So, and I know we've already said that in this show, and it, yeah, I just want to say that was brilliant. And he, once again, it shows it shows Matt how wasted he was. I I loved Adrian actually dropped this in a Twitter message about a uh, Twitter reply about three messages long, and I was like. This is gold. I really like how Adrian actually went into this. He obviously could have done a lot more screen time, and his story in canon is interesting because in between eight and nine, there were some comics with 
again, Hux and Kylo and their relationship, and Hux knows just he knows who Kylo, he knows he's Ben Solo, and they were again interesting. Dived into it, never never played played up there, but it's the it's the last sort of sentence which got me like, of, of his message. Kids love to hate him and laugh at him. Is he the evil Jar Jar? Perhaps it's an interesting one. Maybe I don't know. He was reduced to comic relief in episode in episode eight, and then in episode nine. By then, he was kind of yeah, unsavable like, Jar Jar. Also, it's like reverse. It's like reverse Jar Jar because episode three, <laughs> Jar Jar's actually he's the reason we had the Galactic Empire. He gave Palpatine his powers. He plays quite a yeah, pivotal role. Yeah, man. Like, George was quite a serious character by the third one, but in... Yeah, I, know. I know. If only we could talk to that guy and ask him about it. Oh. But, um, Adrian, thank you so much for that first ever voice message to any show, let alone ours. So thank you very much for that, mate. And um, we appreciate it. And uh, I, I, as we just mentioned, spot on with all your points, which is why I really wanted to hear from your actual voice this time around. Um, so written, we've got Johnny the Limey Printmaker. What a lad. He said, over-the-top ginger Hitler, that was the butt of the joke. Love to hate him, and Donald Gleason is great. KT, 120. Good to hear from you, KT. She said, he was no Tarkin, but he still provided that over-the-top evil performance with a bit of comedy and then redemption. One of his best scenes throughout the sequel trilogy was his speech before the destruction of the Hosnian Prime system. Damn right. And Samuel Allen said, well, he was no Tarkin, a crazy ginger nut who thought he could hang out with the big boys and got blasted away. Hashtag Huxtastrophe. <laughs> Huxtastrophe. I love that one. Love Not it. Bad. Thanks for sending those in, guys. Uh, up next, we've got patron OT Nukes, who said, I really liked how they portrayed Hux in The Force Awakens. That speech was one of my fab speeches. Hang on, I've just... Uh, scrolled above her comment let me resume there people there's nothing to see here see here move along um one of my fave scenes of the film i got disappointed in the last jedi that his character took a u-turn into a bumbling buffoon who gets mocked he could have been one of the great star wars villains i tell you but no i <laughs> totally agree with that nix yes Knights of Glen said making him the mole was a bit of a stretch for me. There were other ways to sabotage Kylo Ren and keep his integrity for the first, first order intact. Uh, yeah, totally agree with that, Knights of Glen. And then uh, Andrew Brewing said that boss you hoped would get fatally mauled by a mud horn. Oh, yeah. This is the way. Amy Hall said I thought he was going to be the big baddie in Rise. I was disappointed. Gelso, 1972, said, the Italian word is inutile. Inutile, which I Google Translate tells me means useless. Charlie Red 4 said, he's a good character that had a lot of upside. I love the character arc of being a spy to do whatever it took to take control. His end, though, fell flat in the movie and was slightly better in the novel. In the novel, he gets a bit more to do, but again, not everybody reads that, but they should because it's great. And Mark Knight Newbold, Newbold, sorry, what a lad from Fanta Tracks. He said... He's named after a very famous brand of UK toilet and is clearly the son and heir of Vivian from The Young Ones. <laughs> yes. Who was yeah. on the, in The Last Jedi Room, Aid Edmondson. Yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe they're all connected. We don't know. It all rhymes. It all, it all rhymes. It all rhymes. 
This Hugs guy, who is he? Uh, up next, we've got Spencer Fannon, who said if he hadn't become the butt of jokes in The Last Jedi, he could have been nice to foil to Kylo, someone who hated all Force users and wanted to rule the galaxy himself. Sort of like a more extreme Tarkin. Oh, what a suggestion. Love that, Spencer. Uh, and Emily Bonner, who said best eyebrows in space. Full stop. Oh, yeah. Uh, best yelling speech in space. Oh, yeah. Best tall gangly ginger in space. We got a fan. We got a fan. We've got a voice message now from Larissa, Dark London Art, who who is a General Hux mega fan, who her artwork of Hux is extraordinary oh. in its quality and in, in its quantity. Yes. So we did a General Hux show. Larissa had to be on it. So this is what Larissa said in what was originally about a five-minute voice message, which she had to edit down. First film, we have a rather scary General Hux, who is the creator of Starkiller Base, and he's not afraid to blow up planets or, or give Kylo a dirty look or tattle on him to Snoke. He also gets a little bit of a victory in the end when he rescues Kylo after Kylo's uh, defeat by Rey. In the second movie, we have a more scared General Hux. He gets thrown around, beaten up, called a rabid cur. Uh, there's mention of the fact that he's rather petty. Um, it's obvious that Snoke has pitted Kylo and Hux against each other. In the third film, though, we get a demoted General Hux who has lost respect and power. A lot of Hux's scenes, I, I guess, were cut from the final film, which may have given us a little bit more insight into why Hux decided to betray the First Order. Was it because he didn't value the Empire and he didn't like Palpatine? He didn't trust Force users? Or was it all really just motivated by his hatred for Kylo Ren? There's not a lot of information given to us except for what he tells Finn that he just wanted to see Kylo Ren lose. Which, for as petty as Hux is, it doesn't really seem in character for him. Some people may have believed it, but people who've read the expanded, inf you know, materials and comics on Hux know that he probably he's a patient man. He's uh, waited around for people to mess up so that he can get revenge on those that hurt him when he was a child, and. We see that in the comics and in other books, and it doesn't really fall in line with what was done in the film. Larissa finally getting to talk about her real husband, General Armitage Hux. So Force Awakens, Scary Hux gets a win by rescuing Kylo. We didn't mention that, actually, but yeah, at the end of The Force Awakens, Hux rescues Kylo, you know, you know, leave the base and bring Kylo in to me. Uh, so he has to actually go and retrieve Kylo. And I agree when uh, Larissa says the fact that he just betrayed, you know, he just became a spy, betrayed the First Order, doesn't seem in character, given everything in canon. Everything in canon, not just films, but the books, the comics and everything. Everything in canon is not in character for him to just, you know, dupe over the First Order like that. And um, in the like, Rise of Skywalker, nope, I'm a spy, bosh, pew, dead. <laughs> Do I remember this correctly? I, th I believe Larissa's husband cosplays as Hux. Um, well, he, he may do, I think, upon request. I think, <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I've seen that. Dark London Art, right? Yes, yeah. that's right, yeah. Yeah, 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 I'm pretty sure I've seen that. Um, but there we go. Uh, up next, a troubled green said, 
underutilized and cop-out ending. Wish he'd had a bigger role. He could easily have his own book like Phasma. Yeah, great comment. Mm. Uh, And patron, Darth Dildo. Dylan said... He's the new generation of old imperial leaders and has melodramatic fascism. I love the juxtaposition of how he sees himself versus the joke everyone else sees him as. He's also kind of hot in a weird way, crying laugh emoji. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, from from uh, Darth's perspective, I like that he's brought out the juxtaposition and how he can be seen as something different, right? So maybe in the force awakens, we can see him in a certain light. And then maybe in the other films, it's more of an actuality. Again, I don't think it's executed. Well, drink dab. dab on him. Um, I don't think it's done well. I don't think it's done well, but no, I love, see, I love that Dylan, like he, he sees these these uh these things in in the star mm. wars films great oh thank you mate and finally we're ending off with a little voicemail from the king of wales you know me love him if you don't here he is it's luke summerfield general armitage hux a pawn who thought he would be a king with an influential speech and the destruction of hosnian prime Hugs thought this would solidify his power, but alas, this led to his downfall and always playing second string to Kylo Ren. A young man who murdered his own father, yet still didn't shine a light on the great leader's pride in Kennedy. And remember, Palpatine loves a good start session. The pawn who thought he could be king. That that, that should be the title of this episode. Because <laughs> that is what Hux was. He was a pawn in the whole thing. Kylo was Kylo used him in the Rise of Skywalker. Snoke used him. You know, everybody used him. His father used him. In the First Order could have potentially said they used him. But he still thought, as Dylan said, a juxtaposition, he still thought he could be king. Um, yep, and he also got a shout out to Captain Kennedy in there. Can't think why. Yeah, maybe it's because um, he's from Wales. <laughs> and Luke Summerfield is the King of Wales. So there we go. Um, but yeah, thank you to everyone who commented on all the Hux chit chat. Up next, we've got our Patreon questions. We have patrons who sign up a certain tier. They get to ask a question on the podcast every month. And uh, this week... We are taking Matthew Bell's question. Um, and he asks, he asks this. It's an interesting one, mate, boy. He says, um, it's always seemed weird to me that people would be moisture farmers on a desert planet. I mean, if I was going to be a moisture farmer, I'd probably pick Camino. I think it'd be much easier. Are there <laughs> any other things like this in Star Wars that don't make much sense to you? Uh, thanks for sending that in, Matthew. Love it. We love our communications um, and all our questions. For me, mate, you know what? There are things in Star Wars that don't don't make sense, but from an everyday perspective, I'm not entirely sure if I agree with you on this one. And here's, here's the reason why. Um, it's almost like, there are people who are 
poor in certain communities in some continents and some countries that they need access to water it's almost like saying well why don't they just fly to a place where there's more water do you know what I mean? Well, like, if, if you, you're living in a village somewhere in rural Africa or rural Asia or whatever, oh, well, just, you know, fly, fly to Finland. Why don't you do that? Or, oh, your, your pizza place isn't working here. I'll just move it to New York. You know, like, yeah, that's not, uh, to me, well, that doesn't make much sense because even galactic time, uh, time travel. No, please no. No, no time no, travel no, no, in Star Wars. Um, thank goodness that weren't in The Rise of Skywalker. Um, <laughs> travel is probably expensive. You probably need to get a ship. You know, Ray couldn't get off Jakku easily. Um, so on and so forth. So there needs to be a local economy. So moisture farming on a desert planet, to me, actually is quite sensical because, again, it reflects the real world a little bit. So that that's my answer. I'm sorry if I'm taking it a bit too seriously. <laughs> there we go. Matty boy Snod. might have a better answer than me. Um, no, I mean, uh, your point is your point is correct. I mean, on top level, though, you think moisture farmer, desert planet. It doesn't make sense. But then, of course, if you start stripping it down, then you know they they got to get it supplied from somewhere. Um, there's there's a few things that don't make sense, but I don't know if I've kind of blurred the lines if they don't make sense or I just don't like them. One of the ones that doesn't make sense entirely was, again, it, it, this might be cheating, but in Attack of the Clones, you get Zan Wessel, the bounty hunter who's a shapeshifter. Wouldn't the Empire or the Rebellion or whoever is oh, in the Republic yeah. just get a load of them and be like, yeah. right, you know, infiltrate everybody? You know, that is, um, I've mentioned it on another show that about people say plot holes in the ST and that. You've got, you've got a shapeshifter, you introduce those. They can take the guise of anyone. That in itself is almost like time travel, that. You could just get a couple of these species, geezers, and it's like, right, can you just pretend to be Hux and do, and do a better characterization <laughs> than Rise of Skywalker? You never know, or, mate. In episode you, 10, we might find you, out Palpatine was Sam Wessel this whole time. <laughs> do you remember when people thought Ezra was Snoke? Um, oh, anyway, off of that. Um, I guess in, uh, in, in A New Hope, basically A New Hope in hindsight, a, a, a whole movie, A New Hope, like, there's so much that doesn't make any sense. But I mean, even like Luke... Skywalker being able to fly an X-Wing like that. He can just get in an X-Wing and just fly it. He can survive a huge battle above a deadly battle station in his first ever flight in this thing, plus hit a one in a million shot. And given the criticism that other characters get in the Sky in the Skywalker saga, that needs to be revised. Plus the fact that he murdered hundreds of thousands of people on Death Star who were not all evil. They weren't all of them weren't evil. And then you look at Alderaan and people are like, oh, that was awful. Luke did the same thing. Um, and I guess also like Return of the Jedi... Obi-Wan sits on a log, but before that, this is really nerdy, he moves the, the ghost Obi-Wan, he moves the vines out of the way on Dagobah, yet people complain about Yoda hitting Luke in The Last Jedi. They've already shown that Obi-Wan can move, hold a vine and move it out of his way. Nothing new there. So actually that's me moaning more about people than anything else, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I hope that kind of answers your question, because when I read it, I was like, ah, good, I can go on a tangent. For here. me, it's like when people go like, oh, if you're in space, it's like, you know, the bombs in The Last Jedi, from the mm. t- is, are they mm. the T-Wing bombers or whatever they are? Uh, the the drop um, on the Star Destroyer. They're like, that doesn't make now. sense. It's like, bro, this is a galaxy space. where people are moving rocks from their mind. Yeah. Let's yeah, but that's all right. That's, that's acceptable. Don't overthink this. Do not yeah. overthink this. It ain't it ain't quite that serious, you know. We you and I both love Star Wars and of course there are 
reasonable things. But with the last Jedi bomber thing, and like you've already pointed out, that didn't bother me. It just doesn't bother me. It's it. like you I don't care. Yeah, it's cool. It, you don't care. Don't get bogged down by so much detail and information. And and even if you applied our um, understanding of physics and the, the realms of of the universe right now on Earth, you could come up with an answer. You could be like, oh yeah, they were magnetic. That's that's what I you know. What I mean, you they, could. You Ryan could Johnson even said they were magnetized, and it was they they, they obviously the visual dictionary said that. But he's even said, you know, they were the, the bombs were magnetized, and they actually gave another. I can't remember what it was, but they actually gave another reason why they like a more obvious reason why they would just fall. I can't remember what it was. Like, something to do about the something to do with the atmospheric gravity and where they were station in conjunction to the planet would mean that actually the bombs would be pulled down or something like that. But they were people have actually come out with actual reasons to debunk this stupid, stupid nitpick. Yeah, it's not for me. It's not for me, Chief. It's not for me. But like, yeah, that's still awesome question, Matthew. And I think it's I'm sure there are things that, that are real stupid. Um it's just Yeah. There, there we go. That's my answer. It's just that that moisture farming thing. I'm just like, nah, man. I'm gonna defend the Skywalkers and their industry. You know, <laughs> Bill v. Bly, round one. Still awesome, Matthew. Though, thanks, dude. Thank you, mate. Still a king. And anyone, anyone listening as well, which we certainly hope there are people. Uh, what would you, if you have any answers to these, just let us know as well. We'll be interested to hear what you think. So thank you for that, Matthew, mate. We also got one from the King of Belgium. We've got a lot of royalty on these shows. Vadim Simons, aka Dipsky. He said, "Hi, guys." When the client mentioned the asset in the Mandalorian, he said, "There, there, fifty years old." Do you think he said that instead of he slash she because he didn't know the sex, or do you believe it's another surprise for later episodes? You probably mentioned it in the past when the episode came out, but how do you feel about it now after watching the entire season? Um, I actually, I've gone back uh, and rewatched Amanda every time a new um, episode drops on Disney Plus over here because it's the first time you've seen it. Uh, I'm going back to rewatch them, and I'm loving it still, man. But um, in terms of your question, mate, I think there's a bit of both. I think, um, logically, it's to contain the surprise for us. Mm. If they came out and said he or she, you know, we can start speculating as fans. But they are, and they keep calling it it as well. You know, what is it? What is it? But I think also because I think the client, Werner Herzog, probably has only been told what he needs to know. He's working for someone who's given it, he's outsourced him, you know, go and get me this green kid. This is what you need to know. So I reckon that, you know, if, if he does have a gender, a name and a species and that, I don't think the client wouldn't have been told anyway. He's just been told he's 50 years, it's 50 years old. It's here. It needs to be brought back dead or alive. Or alive, but all dead. That, I think that's all he's been told. So a bit of both for me. Yeah, I think I'm going to echo that, mate. Um yeah, I, I think it would be just or what was necessary. Um, they didn't have loads of information on him, did they? Um, that's why the puck, he says, oh, what, you only have their age. That's it, right? That's You don't have like, a picture or anything like that. Um, yeah. And that's why it's such a big deal at the end of chapter one. Um so yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me that their gender just like wasn't really included on purpose. Um yeah, that's it. It's more it was more the I put it this way, I'd I'd imagine the Empire or the remnants of the Empire had a lot more knowledge on Baby Yoda than they than they let on. That's what I think. Yep, and of course we don't know his story yet. So if it ties into a bigger story, then which I'm sure it will, then we'll we'll, we'll sure we'll find out. But yeah, I think we both think 
a good point for another show. It is. Give us a year and we'll be able to answer that. But that's what we think in a minute. But good shout out, uh, Badim. Thank you very much for that, mate, as ever. And a couple of shout outs for where you can find us now. Blilo, T Public, where can they find us? If you want to buy merch, we got merch. We got a store on T Public, and that's at tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash Star Wars sessions. And if you want to join our Discord, send us a DM. We're, it's friendly chat every day. You know, people wake up, wish each other happy, happy morning, you know, good day to each other, sending pictures of their Star Wars attire, what they're eating for dinner, debate. You know, it's That's great. It's really fun, so, man. It's that brilliant, Discord mate. I, is great. I, I, forgot, I, I forgot to go on it for the last day, and I was like, wow, looking at the discussion. So if you want to join a Discord, for you know, safe, friendly uh, conversation, do so. We've got um, a decent number of people on there, actually. And the, and the conversation changes quite a lot, so check that out. But, you know, we're talking about people who, who are high and mighty in the galaxy. There is only one. His name is Curtis Smith, and he's got a poem. Do you know what it's called? It's called General Hux. Take it away, Curtis. General Hux. You scream at the troops your belief. The next film, your comic relief. Are you Hitler or Goof, a real villain or spoof? If you're not careful, Kylo's your chief. Find me on Twitter at Star Wars Poet, on Instagram and Facebook at Star Wars Poetry. Always Star Wars, always poetry, always original work, posting daily. Thank you very much for that, Curtis. It played in nicely. It's almost as if he knew what the subject of the show is. But as we know, Curtis Smith, he's the man who knows who Anonymous actually is. <laughs> I like that one. I like that one. That's a naughty one. That's a nice boulder. That's a nice boulder. Always, Curtis, always a spicy, always every week mentioned legend. Hi, this is Jamie Stangroom. You're listening to the Star Wars Session podcast, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. It's the Star Wars Sessions Game! You know the tune, and with it brings a new game. It's a new week, it's a new game. It's kind of a new host. It's my turn this week. Uh, so do you know what? Do you want to know what we've come out of this week, Blilo? Go on, mate. The game is called Bly Describes Badly. BDB, oh. Bly Describes Badly. Bly describes badly. I love it. Okay. Here we go. So basically, Blilo Ren has to describe the Star Wars characters that I give him using only three words to people who have never seen Star Wars. So I'll give you a character. You've got three words to describe to somebody who's never seen it, but you've got to describe it badly. Okay. Badly? I have to do it badly? Yep. Okay. Right. Right. Okay. I think I got, I think I got the idea. Okay. Well, freestyle. I hope I don't offend anyone. <laughs> We've almost had to bleep him once. So first one is a Luke Bly staple. Every time Luke has to do something to describe or an impression, this one's first. Please, can you describe badly in three words, Watto? Uh, hench, charming, and bulky. <laughs> hench, charming, and bulky. Eh, Blalo? Um, Dexter Jetster. Ah. Uh. Um, athletic, um, 
charming. <laughs> no, he is kind of charming. I'll tell you about athletic. Uh, horrible and nasty. <laughs> good smelling. Oh, Fred. Um, Padme Amidala. Padme Amidala. Poor. European. <laughs> uh, blonde. <laughs> Rose Tico. Lovable. <laughs> <laughs> you take that back. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I'm joking. I'm not joking. Uh, no. <clears throat> okay. Um, a baddie. A pessimist. And smelly. <laughs> you think she smells nice? What a nice guy. I reckon. Um, I, I think so, yeah. Where Jar Jar Binks? This is this is this is dangerous territory, Matt, because we're <laughs> funny. Uh, <laughs> no, man. Um, a Sith Lord. Ooh, I, that's three words. A Sith Lord. Oh uh, yeah, a Sith Loud. Um, <laughs> King rebellious and. Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Ahmed. Um, what about young Anakin? Uh, young Lord, Anakin. Uh, young Anakin. Um, Phantom Menace Anakin. Oh, man. So, again, just to reiterate, this is opposite. This is opposite day. This is bad. Badly yeah, described. badly. Okay. Tall. Tall. <laughs> Tall. <laughs> Jim Reddy and uh, <laughs> uh, hair? Padme Magnet. <laughs> yeah. Young Anakin yeah. is a Padme Magnet. Um, what about Poe Dameron? Poe Dameron. Finnish. <laughs> As in Helsinki. Um, <laughs> lorry driver. <laughs> and, chubby. and chubby and <laughs> chubby uh, a couple more then Claude buff arms <laughs> <laughs> buff arms uh, great mechanic uh, imperial <laughs> Claude uh, two more Ayla Secura green Green mean machine. (laughs) (laughs) Well said, excuse me. Um, um, And last one, Saw Guerrero. Oh, my days. Um, Reasonable. (laughs) Reasonable. Cool-headed. And sounds like a jazz singer. (laughs) Jazz singer, huh? (laughs) <laughs> actually that, that was... is that uh, maybe may okay sounds like an opera singer i mean yeah, i don't know like i'm it. saying this it could be look, a baker i'm gonna say it's a baker he looks like a baker would you trust him with your buns it depends on what you know an iced bun maybe mm. maybe i don't know 
I don't know. Yeah, I guess the blander the bun, the more I tr- trust him with it. But my yes. top tier bun, not yeah. doing it. So that was Bly describes badly. We took some liberties there, but it's still a lot of fun. Good old, good old BDB. <laughs> Bly describes badly. Love it. So as we always do, that's it. That's the game done with. And unfortunately, when the game's done, the show is done too. That is that for this episode of Star Wars Sessions, episode 59. But the fun doesn't end there. No one's ever really gone. Where can the world find us, Master Blywalker? They can find us on our website at starwarsessions.co.uk. They can find us on Twitter at Star Wars Session with no S at the end. That's Star Wars Session with no S on the end on Twitter. They can slide into our galactic DMs on Instagram at Star Wars Sessions. That's at Star Wars Sessions on Instagram. Or feel free to drop us a cheeky voice note or cheeky message to our email address, which is sws at whatawatchtonight.co.uk. That's sws at whatawatchtonight.co.uk. And if you want to support the show further, please consider checking out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions. Yes, we're on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, everywhere in the galaxy you can find a podcast, you're going to find us there. If you do love the show, and we certainly hope you do, please consider leaving us a good review on your podcast provider of choice and head on over to podchaser.com. It's the IMDB for podcasts. It's awesome. So if you have a spare few minutes, do drop us a review on there as well because it helps us grow, helps us more than you know. And again, we love hearing from you guys every week. Thank you. And please tell all your Star Wars friends about us. Tell your mum, tell your dad, tell your mates, tell your cats, tell your local ginger ninja, tell your Ewok, tell your cousin. The more, the merrier, the Kessel spicier, Dad. Tell Saul Guerrero at the local patisserie that this is the podcast you're looking for. So until next time from me, see ya. And from Luke, may the force be with you always. They are Essex-based podcast heroes. One child who really digs General Hooks. Right. And that freaked me out. Tell that to Kanja Club. <laughs>